0: It's good to give praise to the Lord and the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. You know we can sing a song that the angels cannot sing because we have the song of the redeemed in our hearts and we can lift that um, to him. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you guys. Great job this morning. (sighs) You want some more good news? I got some great news for you. God is alive. He's still on the throne. Um, we are, <laughs> that's a great thing to praise him for. We are not um, victims. We still have a voice. That's good news. I just got this report this week, February 8th, Lafayette Citizens for Freedom report. Remember that whole situation going on in West Lafayette? We are praising the Lord that the sponsors of West Lafayette Ordinance 3121, making it illegal to counsel a minor toward the biblical truth of sexual orientation, withdrew their proposal. They said, um, thanks to the thousands of people who stood up for the truth of God's word and the power of the gospel. They had 14,589 people sign the petition saying, do not go through with this. What's cool is that it didn't get shut down. They withdrew it. They took it from the table. Praise the Lord. We still have a voice. We can still make a difference. We can still stand up for righteousness and truth. And we're going to keep on doing it. Right? Right? We're going to keep on doing it until they tell us we can't. (laughs) Man, I love you guys. You know, you didn't go like, yeah, you're right, Phil, then we'll run for the hills. No, then we will stand even stronger. And uh, what is our life? For me to live is Christ and to die is, well, that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you like that? Um, let's do this, okay? Um, did you get one of these on your way in? It says, before I die. Before I die, it's got a bucket on it, okay? That means what I want you to do right now, I want you to take a minute, and I want you to get a pen, borrow a pen from somebody if you don't have one, get one out of the pew pocket in front of you, Get a pen back at home. If you don't have this, just get a piece of paper out and write at the top before I die. And what I want you to do is I want you to write your top three bucket list things that you wanna make sure you do before you die, before you leave this earth. Now, there's all kinds of things that you can put on there. I think we have some pictures that are gonna be playing right now for you, different ideas for you. Maybe you wanna travel. Maybe you wanna go scuba diving. Maybe you wanna go do something that you've never done before and you have it in your mind to get this thing done and you wanna make sure it gets done before you die. This is your bucket list. Write the top three things that you wanna do. Why are you staring at me? Just go, (laughs) go. Write those three things down. And then take this and tuck it away somewhere. We're gonna gonna use it later on at the end of the service, okay? But write those top three things down. I have one that I want to do. Um, James, one of the things on my bucket list is that you and I are gonna go to the mountains of Colorado and we're going to go elk hunting. (laughs) Even if I'm in a wheelchair, I want, I want to drop a royal bull elk. If you're against, if you're a PETA person or something, I'm sorry. But I'm going to drop one of those babies, and you're going to be right by my side. And then his big dad is going to come, and you're going to drop him. <laughs> now, I don't have the money to do that, so make a lot of money and fund it. For, you, you make the money for the bucket list. All right, we'll make that happen. What are the things, what are the top three things on your list you want to make sure you do before you die? That's what I want you to have in your head and, and what do you do on this sheet, and we're going to bring this back later on, okay? Deal? Deal? All right. Hey, anyone excited to hear the news that came out on the, on, on the news? If you're listening to the news, you heard the news this week. The pandemic is over. Am I the only one excited about the pandemic is over? Yeah, yeah, really, Phil? Who are you talking to? What? Really? Is it over? What well, depends on who you're talking to. Right now, you can hear news of people saying it's over. We're on the other side of this thing. Release everything. Remove all the mandates. That's on one end, you got other people over here going, Stop! It's worse than ever! We're going to die! Lock everything down! And then you have everybody in between. Can can you believe that we live in a world where you don't know who to listen to and you don't know who you can trust? Can you believe we're in the situation like we're in today? I grew up believing, (laughs) and how stupid of me, but I grew up believing that if you turn on the TV to NBC News, the people on there will tell you the truth, and you can go, oh, that's what's going on in my world right now. Okay, thank you for reporting on that. If that ever did exist, maybe it never did, and I just thought it did, and that's how I was raised. But if it, my mom and dad believed it, they did. They didn't scream at the TV like I want to now. It, who, wow. Who should we listen to? Who can we listen to? Who can we trust? You got lawmakers saying all kinds of things about this pandemic and where we're at. You got lawmakers like Boris Johnson of England And people like him who are beginning to say, I think it's time that we learn to live with COVID-19 just like we learned to live with the flu. That actually makes more sense to me than a lot of things I have heard about this whole thing. I kind of agree, I, I don't kind of, I really agree with them. Thank God they're beginning to release our children. Thank God they're beginning the end of the damage that they are doing to our children through the mandates and the restrictions that they have put on the least vulnerable. And that is a fact that no one can dispute about this whole COVID. Man, I just got upset about something right there. <laughs> I'm promising myself, I just relax on this and not get upset. (laughs) There are some things that are actual fact that we know and no one disputes, and yet we're destroying the lives of our children. I'm so thankful that we're beginning to hear the lifting of that. At least we're getting some light at the end of that tunnel. Okay, so we're gonna talk about this, but not in the way that you probably think I'm going to. We're gonna talk about COVID-19. We're gonna talk about the pandemic Put it in the context of what we're talking about here in this series. Remember, we're in the series, What in the World? What is happening in our world? Trying to make sense of what we see happening in our world through the lens of the Word of God. And what does the Bible and biblical prophecy have to say about these things that we are seeing, and are they related? That's what we're going to do, and that's where I'm going to take you or attempt to take you on this whole thing of COVID-19. How do we make sense of COVID-19 in light of biblical prophecy? Now, on January 11th, 2020, anybody remember that day? The first COVID-19 death was reported out of Wuhan, China. And a worldwide crisis was launched. 2020, January 11th. Two months later, on March 11th, The World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. I've not known of this in my lifetime, of a global pandemic like this. I've never experienced anything like this. And I was like, I remember thinking, what? I actually, this is just how I view things. I'm like, get real. You're overreacting. That's my initial response to this whole thing, only to find out that they weren't. Um... The virus had spread to 114 countries, having killed a reported 4,000 people. And if you go to the dashboard, the the global dashboard today, the international dashboard today, they would report to you that 5,764,503 people have died from COVID-19. Now, we don't know, right? We don't know what the reporting is, but if that's the reality that we live in today, that that's the report. Over five, almost six million people have died worldwide from this virus. Who would have ever dreamed, right, that just like that, just like that, our lives would be turned upside down? our world would be turned upside down, our culture would be turned upside down, our, our, our workplace would be turned upside down, that we would be thrown into a state of panic and chaos and fear and deep-seated anxiety and for believers who would have ever dreamed that that fast, it would throw the church of Jesus Christ into a whole new level of having to trust the Lord or what it means to trust in the Lord and rethink your ability to trust in the Lord. Questions everywhere have been flying and are continuing to fly, but I remember at the very beginning, don't you? You remember thinking, how's this going to hit me and my health? Remember that? What's this going to mean for me and my health? What's this going to mean for my family? Can I keep them safe? What do I need to do to keep them safe? How's this going to hit my finances? I mean, you get a global crisis like this, you know it's going to hit us economically. What's this going to do to me? And what's it going to do to my business? How many of you, how many people in our area here specifically have suffered with their business, in their business because of the lockdowns and the restrictions and everything that happened. In fact, many people, and maybe even in here, sitting right here today, you've lost your business and you'd, it'll never be the same again for you. It's tragic what has happened. How are we gonna survive? Those of you, uh, many people had questions, what's this gonna do to my education? These young people that were in college at that time, what's it going to do to me? And how's it going to set me back? And our kids in our schools, we still don't know. The level of damage that we're going to experience culturally, I believe, because of the damage it's doing to our children in schools because of the shutdown and because of masking, and their ability or inability to socially react after spending two years, over two years, in masks all day long, as they have learned, they're trying to learn how to relate to each other. How's this going to affect my life? What a nightmare! As a pastor, and your leadership team in this church, and all the different pastors in all the world, you don't understand how ang- anxious our hearts are, in trying to figure out how are we going to help the family of God work through this? How are we going to protect our church and the reputation of Jesus Christ through all of this? I remember at the very beginning asking the question, what if, the you know, that kept, kept saying it's gonna be a super spreader, it's gonna be a super spreader, church is gonna be super spreaders, you know, what if we did, what if we became a super spreader church? And you, you know, we, you were here, we were all wrestling with what are we gonna do? We had to shut down for 18 weeks, 18 weeks, 18 weeks, I had to preach to a camera, and you had to sit at home? Some of you are like, yeah, but we kind of liked it. It was kind of fun. When we came back, remember, we had to come back, and we were like, what are we going to do? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna come back? And we were like, I, don't, I didn't know. I, I, I literally didn't know how to lead through that at all. And thank God I had a, a deacon council and an elder council of men who are righteous, godly, wise men that were helping me make the decision. And we decided the best thing to do is just let people make their own choice. We can't guarantee your safety. We can't guarantee your comfort level. So just decide what's best for you and your family. We provided church in that setting, and yet the anxiety level of your leadership here at the church and all church leadership was like, what's this gonna do to us? How's Satan gonna use us to destroy the church or try to destroy the church or try to divide the church? Will we ever get back to normal? There it is, right? What is normal anyway? I guarantee you we're never getting back to normal. We're never getting back to pre-COVID, we're never going there because time has marched on and we're different today, we're changed today. Every single person on the planet because of COVID-19 had to wrestle with these questions and many more obviously. My heart is broken over those of us who have had to deal with a tragic loss of life due to the virus. Many have had loved ones die from contacting the virus and maybe it went in and morphed into something different. Many of you in the room today got so sick from it that you were just barely hanging on? But how many stories have we heard? How many stories have you have in your life of people that are like, man, they were were healthy as a horse and they just dropped. This thing just took them out and then they're dead. I attended funerals. I had to perform a funeral. It's heartbreaking. It's horrible. How terrible... how wonderful that you're like Phil you're twisted no I'm not I'm a Christian and because I'm a Christian I'm a child of God and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ and I have been born again and redeemed on all those wonderful songs death and hell have been arrested and the chains have been broken in my life of sin and death and i am a new i'm a new creation in jesus christ and because i am a born again believer and i have possessed the holy spirit of god i can view things like a global pandemic and even the anxiety and fear and uncertainty that comes with it i can view it though it's terrible as being a wonderful opportunity how wonderful to serve the one who knows the future. Many things about tomorrow. I don't know why these old songs come to my mind. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand, and he is leading me, and he is helping me, and he is guiding me by his spirit. How awesome and wonderful to know the one Who's got everything figured out? We can evaluate the global events like this pandemic through the eyes of God's Word, through different lenses that the rest of the world does. I do not have to live at the mercy of my present circumstances and problems and trials. Thank God for that. That is great truth for us as believers. Remember, I'm gonna keep reminding you of this. God knew all of this would happen. God told us all of this would happen. And God has a plan for you and me in the fulfillment of it all. So let's go there, okay? What is going on? Is COVID-19 the beginning of the end of the world? Is COVID-19 the fulfillment of biblical prophecy? Take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read, um, this is the Olivet Discourse. This is Jesus explaining an overview of Revelation 6. Jesus is going to explain the signs of the times, the signs of the end. So the setting here in Matthew chapter 24 is Jesus is with his disciples. They're leaving Jerusalem on their way to the Mount of Olives and they walk outside the city and he looks at the city walls and he tells them, he tells his disciples that Jerusalem is going to be completely destroyed sometime in the future. Now if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you look at those massive walls and you, you, you would be like the disciples and say, come on, Jesus, don't, don't overstate this thing. And Jesus has said, you, you need to understand there's not going to be one stone left upon another. It is going to be destroyed in the future. So later, while they're sitting on the Mount of Olives on the opposite side of the Kidron Valley... Jesus loved to sit on the mount of olives and overlook Jerusalem. And so as they normally did, they were sitting there and the disciples asked Jesus, look at verse 3 of Matthew 23, 24, "Tell us when all of this will happen." He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. "Tell us when all of this will happen. What sign will signal your return in the end of the world?" So they're asking three questions. When will it happen? What's the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end? Interestingly, he skips question one, he goes to question two and three, and he spins the chapter talking to them. He, he finishes up with, with the answer to question number one, but he's going to answer the, for them what is the sign of his coming, what's the sign of the end in chapter 24. You can go and read about this in Revelation 6 in more detail. In fact, Jesus was the one who actually revealed to in a, in a vision to John the, gospel John, or the, the Apostle John to write the Revelation that describes in detail what's gonna happen in the end. But this is the big picture overlay that Jesus is telling them way before he visits John with the truth to write it down in, in Revelation. Jesus told them in verse four, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Did you hear that? Okay, that's, that's good news, we don't have to panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately, Did you hear that? So things are gonna happen and the end won't come immediately and then more things are gonna happen. Verse seven, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Now I just wanna stop here and say, that if you have the King James version of this, you see pestilence in there. In Revelation 6, 8, the pestilence is included in the list of things that will happen. There will be famines, earthquake, and pestilence. That word pestilence means it can be translated global disease, it has with it the idea of a global pandemic that will happen. A plague is another word that you could throw in there. A global plague, this will happen on a global scale. But all of this is only the beginning, verse eight of birth pains, with more to come. Then will you be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. If you do a study of this, you will know, you will see that these are the signs. Remember, they asked, what are the signs of your coming and the signs of the end? And these are the signs of the coming end, and they describe the first three and a half years of a seven-year tribulation. There is a seven-year tribulation that's going to happen before Jesus comes and returns to earth and the end of all things happens. The three, these things that he described in verses one through 14 are the, first th- the things that are ha- going to happen in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, but I want you to hear this for today's sake. They don't just pop onto the scene. There is a warm-up or a build-up over time. I believe that we are seeing the early signs, the early buildup, or what is called a foreshadowing of future events that are going to happen, events that are coming in the near future. Those events are casting back their shadows, preparing the world and the church of Jesus Christ for what is coming. You following me? Here's a picture. Here's a, here's a, a chart that I wanna give you to help you with this. So what's going to happen, we're in the church age prior to the tribulation right now, that's where we are. Jesus' return is coming, and that's gonna come at the end of the seven-year tribulation. So what's happening is there's all kinds of these events, these cataclysmic, these epic events these apocalyptic type of events that are going to happen during the seven years, the three and a half years of tribulation, and then the back half, three and a half years of the great tribulation that is going to happen. And those things are casting shadows back to us in our day so that we are able to see the explanation of Jesus Is You're able to see like birth pains, you're going to be able to see the signs happening that are coming before these events start to take place in the tribulation. I hope that makes some sense to you. I'm trying to simplify it for you, but that's what Jesus is talking about here. So, question, is the pandemic that we just went through, the two years, the disease or the pestilence or the plague described in the book of Revelation? Are we in the tribulation period? Are we in the first three and a half years of the tribulation and the pandemic is part of the pestilence that Jesus promised would happen as one of the signs of his coming? The answer, no. Well, how do you know that, Phil? Because I'm still here. And some of you are like, gotta write that down. I'll get you later. I'm gonna spend some more time, so don't panic today, okay? I'm gonna, spend, I'm gonna spend some more time telling you why I believe and why this church's official position on the end times has us going to heaven before the tribulation period. It's called the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. And I'm gonna spend some time explaining to you why I there are many people, all people all over the, great Bible teachers out there that believe in the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. Some believe in the mid-tribulation, so in the midpoint of the tribulation. And there are some that actually believe that the return of Jesus Christ is predicated by the rapture. So what's gonna happen right at the end of the tribulation, the rapture is gonna happen. Jesus is gonna come down, not touch the earth, and pull his people out. And then he's gonna come back with us at the same time, and he's going to return the second coming of Jesus Christ and begin the end of all things, set up his kingdom. We'll talk about all that, Okay. I promise you, I'm not sure when, it may maybe next week, I'm working on it right now, but I will just, I'll help you understand why I believe the scripture teaches a pre-tribulational rapture of the church, but for now, let me show you this chart, okay, so this is, if, 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 if I'm right, and many people like me who teach the word of God are, are right about it, we're in the present church age, the rapture of the church, and don't worry about this, I'm going to actually give you a chart whenever we go over this, so you'll have it, okay, um the rapture is going to happen which will be the beginning point of the tribulation it will release the tribulation um, to start the antichrist will rise the first three and a half years will be the beginning of sorrows there'll be the great tribulation but i want you to just see for today's context that what jesus is talking about in matthew 24 1 through 14 is in that three and a half years the beginning of sorrows those are the signs that will happen the things and the pestilence The plagues, the disease, the worldwide global disease will happen during that first three and a half years that Jesus is talking about. Okay, now let's move on. We won't be here to see the birth of all of these signs that Jesus said would happen just before his return. But that doesn't mean that we won't see the foreshadowing of the birth pains described Okay, the, the birth pains come before the birth, before the delivery. It doesn't mean that we won't see the foreshadowing or the buildup as we get closer to that delivery. John MacArthur put it this way, it really helped me out. The present afflictions we are experiencing may merely be like Braxton Hicks contractions, those are the premature labor pains. But they nonetheless signify that the time for hard labor and then deliv- delivery is inevitable and quickly drawing near. So here's what I want to say, in my mind, the coronavirus is not the prophetic sign given to us of the sign of his return that's gonna happen in the first three and a half. There are worse things coming. Global disease, global pandemic, global apocalyptic death will happen as a result of these diseases these plagues that are going to attack the earth during the first three and a half years. But I do believe that the coronavirus is a sign that we are warming up those birth pains, the Braxton Hicks contractions, that we are warming up to the event of the apocalypse. I believe that we should look at COVID-19 as a reminder of things that we too easily forget. I can't, I just looked at the clock. Can we just stop having a clock? <laughs> so I gotta just charge now, okay? You buckle up, let's go, okay? Because it's, the the it's not about the teaching that is so important, but the practical application of the teaching that is so important. How do we live in the middle of all this? We have too easily forgotten some things that COVID-19 is helping us remember. Here's the first one. We are all vulnerable and we need to wake up. How's that for just straight up in your face? We're all vulnerable and we need to wake up. We've gotten way too comfortable with living longer. I believe that and because of the medical and technological advances of our day, we think that nothing can take us down or that man can fix anything. But what COVID-19 is teaching us is that no one is exempt. Everybody is vulnerable. It's knocked us actually back into the bedrock reality that no amount of wisdom, technology, mandates, lockdowns, or money, or position, can protect us from things like this. The President of the United States got it. No one is exempt, everybody is vulnerable. You and I are both vulnerable to the plagues of this world brought about by sin's corruption and brought about by Satan's schemes. There are two things going on in this world. There's sickness and death, suffering because of sin, but Satan also has his schemes, that he is trying to destroy the work of God. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, though our outer self is wasting away, Paul totally understood That this outer shell, this thing that we have is wasting away. Though our outer self is wasting away, here's what believers do. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. He talks about his suffering in the world as light and momentary, and you're like, "Uh uh-uh. They're not light and momentary. Yes, they are in light of eternity. They're hard, people. We're gonna have trouble in this world. It's hard to go through. But when you have an eternal perspective and you realize you are vulnerable to sin, to sin's corruption, and we're vulnerable to Satan's attack, then you can view these things as our light and momentary troubles that are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs the suffering. So what do we do in the midst of a pandemic? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on what is, not on what is seen, but what is, unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal the bible teaches us that satan can send plagues and illnesses so it shouldn't surprise us when we see these things happening especially on a global catastrophic level We battle not against flesh and blood, the scripture says, but against the enemies and principalities, rulers and powers of the darkness, against spiritual forces of evil, and these attacks will shake the world, but they will not and cannot shake the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot allow these types of things that are going to increase in intensity and frequency, they're going to increase. We cannot let that shake us as the people of God. We are different. We have the power of God in our lives and we've got the truth of God's word and we know that God will never leave us or forsake us and he will always use us. We need to wake up to the world, to the the truth that we are all vulnerable and here's the second thing we need to remember. We all have a job to do and we need to get after it. That's what the pandemic should teach us. Our job is not to lock down. Our job is not to hide. We gotta be smart. We have to be wise, we have to be smart. That the church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up in these types of things in the face of these types of trials and rise up and be strong and rise up and give hope to people who are hopeless. Rise up and, and breathe strength and life and courage into people who are fearful. We have nothing to fear. Calm down, Phil. You promised yourself. Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I have a job to do, and we need to get after it. It was a job that he, aren't you glad he came and called your name? Aren't you glad that he came and spoke into you? and woke your heart up and your your mind up to the truth that you were a sinner? And aren't you glad you gave your heart to the Lord? He came to you because before the foundations of the earth, he declared he was going to save you, and he's got a job for you, and he's worked it all out, and he's got something specific for you. I'm not talking to you as the church. I'm talking to you as an individual. He's got something for you to do in the world in which we live today. We need to get after it. I I wanna say this as lovingly as I can and as tenderly as I can. Because I've had several of you come to me and I totally get it, I totally understand it. And you say, I love this series, but I hate this series. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. but I'm scared to death that my mom and dad don't know Jesus. And if Jesus comes back, then it's too late. I'm scared to death that my kids, if Jesus returns today, I'm scared to death that my kids are gonna stand before the great white throne judgment. They're gonna say, I went to Sunday school my whole life. I went to church my whole life. Let me in. And he's gonna look at the book and say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I can't bear the thought, Phil. I'm scared to death that my friends and my neighbors and my work associates are gonna die and go into a Christless eternity. Listen to me. We have a job to do. And we need to get after it. We need to be praying like Elijah. We need to be giving and sacrificing of ourselves like the widow in the temple. And we need to be preaching like an evangelist. Scripture tells us, in the book of James, tells us that Elijah was a man just like you and me. But when he prayed, powerful things happened. Supernatural things happened. The message to us is you are just normal, average people. But when you pray, when God's people pray, we release the Holy Spirit to pray on our behalf. Whenever we get on our knees before the Lord and we bring our petition to him, as weak as that petition may be, As off as that petition may be, the Holy Spirit says, "Uh, Father, they're praying, and I'm going to now pray on their behalf. They don't understand, they're weak, and you know that, but I'm going to pray for what they really need, and Father, I'm going to pray according to your will, and don't you know that the Father in heaven will answer the Holy Spirit's prayer every single time. We may not even know how to pray or what to pray, but when we get on our knees and pray, the Holy Spirit does, and you don't need to worry about it. Elijah was a man just like you and me, but when he prayed, powerful things happened. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man is powerful as it goes up. That fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous woman is powerful as it goes up. You get on your knees and you pray for those who are lost. You get on your knees and you pray for a platform, and you pray, and God will deliver for you. I did not just promise you that every person who's unsaved will be saved if you pray for them. But I promise you, you can have many, many opportunities and platforms to speak the truth into those lost loved ones and friends. You have a job to do. We need to give of ourselves. Like that widow in the temple where Jesus recognized the, the Pharisees, the religious guys, they were all like, look at what I'm giving. And this little old lady who's going up there with her little pennies, and she's giving everything that she has. And Jesus goes, guys, I need you to see this. That's what pleases me is my servants giving everything they have. My friends, we don't have much time. We need we've got a job to do, and we need to be done with all the foolish things of this world that we're involved in. And we need to get active for the Lord and give him everything. Be all in for the gospel. Be all in to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what pleases the heart of Jesus. That's what gets his attention. And that's what he loves to bless and then preach like an evangelist. Listen, we can sleep when we die. The reality that people are dying every moment of every day and entering into a Christless eternity exists, and that reality should give us all a sense of urgency because here's the final reminder. We are all dying Every single human being is dying and we need to live like it. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, death is the destiny of every man and the living should take this to heart. I use this passage at every funeral that I preach because the reality is that person that we're there mourning their death, they're gone. They've had their chance to accept Christ or not accept Christ. And the Bible is clear the death is the destiny of every single one of us unless Jesus comes during our lifetime and we're Christians and he takes us home. Every single one of us is gonna die of something. And you don't know what that something is. You don't have control over that. You're all vulnerable to death. We're all going to die. And the living should take that to heart. We sh- what that means is you ought to think about that. Those of us who've been living a while, we can relate to Job. <laughs> you know, it's weird, because like when you're a kid, things seem to go for- take forever to come. And when am I ever going to get to drive? When am I ever going to get a girlfriend? Some people, like they're in their 40s before that happens, but. <laughs> so it is forever coming. But then, the older you get, you start going. Whoa, oh, oh, slow down, slow down, slow down. Is Christmas already? <laughs> My life passes more swiftly than a runner. Job says it flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disappears like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. How frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble? We blossom like a flower and then wither like a passing shadow. We quickly disappear. James says, what's your life? It's it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. This reality, my friends, should change our perspective and change our priorities. It should rock our world. Probably get in trouble for this, but whatever. I want to use a secular song. I know, we're in church. Tim McGraw, the country singer Tim McGraw, in 2004, he was sitting with some songwriters, Tim Nichols and Craig Wiseman, and while they were sitting down to write, they began discussing a, 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 a friend of theirs who um, had been di- misdiagnosed with cancer. And they were sitting down talking about their friend and marveling at how it changed his life. The information, though false, changed the way this guy lived, just the thought that he had terminal cancer. And from that discussion, they wrote the lyrics to the song Live Like You Were Dying. And here's how it goes. He said, I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me. When a moment came that stopped me on a dime, I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options, and talking about sweet times. I asked him, when it sank in that this might really be the end, how does it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And he said, I went sky diving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu (laughs) and I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying and he said someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. I finally read the good book and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. (laughs) What I'd do if, like tomorrow, was the end. What would you do if you knew that tomorrow was the end? How would it change you? What would you do today? Let's just say that somehow God showed you that you've got 24 hours to live. It is 1018. Tomorrow at 1018, You're going to die, your life is required of you and you're going to die. How will it change what you do today if you knew you were gonna die tomorrow? Get your card back out. You knew I was gonna do this, didn't you? That's why a lot of you just said, no, I'm not writing anything. I want you to look at those things that were on your bucket list. If you, if it said at the top, before I die, tomorrow at 1018, what is my bucket list? What would it look like? I bet it would look different. See, a bucket list assumes you've got time A bucket list assumes, James, that we're gonna get enough money and be able to schedule a trip in hunting season like we're gonna be alive next hunting season or the one beyond or whatever, whenever we go. It's fine to skydive. I went skydiving. I went rocket mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I've done those things. I'm not skydived yet. But I've been on the Rocky Mountains. Here's a picture of me and James doing a bucket list thing on the top of Mount Huron or Missouri. I can't remember which one that is. That's Huron. That's my nemesis. How awesome was that, James, right? How awesome was that day? Nothing wrong with that. I've written a book sort of a bull. (laughs) Name (laughs) wasn't... I went 6.5 seconds on a cow named Elsie (laughs) with big pillows all around in case I drop off. Shut that off, shut that off. nothing wrong with those things and we tend to write those things on our bucket list, but I can guarantee you that if I knew I only had one more day, my life and perspective on what's important and what I would write down would change. This life is not about a bucket list of cool adventures, even though there's nothing wrong with those. It's about prioritizing and doing the most important things that reflect our love for God, our sacrificial love for people, and the deep desire to influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It turns a bucket list thing, climbing mountains in Colorado with my son, into A picture like this where I'm taking 12 men, 12 kingdom warriors out into the wilderness to experience God in a whole new setting, but then challenge ourselves to come back and take on the world for Jesus Christ, to love God deeper and to love others deeper and influence our world with the gospel at a stronger and deeper level than ever before. It changes our perspective on those things that we want to do. Does that make sense? Or it should He said, one day I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. <laughs> Guess what? You're alive right now, that's why you're sitting here. You're all alive, you're breathing. You have that chance. But I can guarantee you this, and the pandemic helps us realize that just like that, our lives can be changed. Just like that, death can knock on our door. We don't know. You young people sitting in the room, you think you got forever. You don't know if you have this afternoon. That's a big, fat encouragement, Phil. (laughs) My job is to encourage you with truth. My job is to encourage you with reality. And the reality is death is coming to us all. What are you gonna do with the time you have knowing that you don't have it? The end is coming. We're gonna see these things like the pandemic, like COVID-19 in an ever increasing fashion and with more intensity. And they're gonna take out hundreds of thousands and millions even of people in the tribulational period. We're seeing the warm-up to that, and what I want you to hear is that we don't have much time. We're all vulnerable, we're all dying, and we all have a job to do that God had planned for you before the foundation of the earth. We need to get after it and get moving and keep on rolling for the kingdom, you guys. I don't have time right now. I've completely just shipwrecked everything this morning. There's a backside to this. you know what I want you to do? Like you can do it right now if you want. You can spend some time before the next service starts. Just sit right where you are and just rewrite some priorities. But put on the top, if I only have 24 hours left, these are the top three things I wanna make sure that I do. And every day, we're supposed to get up and live like we were dying. Live like we might not have tomorrow. Prioritize our world with the things that matter the most. Fix the relationship. That, half, that back half of the chorus of that song is the real stuff. When he realized he might be dying, he's like, you know, I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter. Sweeter and I gave forgiveness that I had been denying. It changed him. It should change us. That's what things like a pandemic ought to do to us. Those are the lessons we ought to learn. Stand with me and let me pray over you. Can you just bow your head and let me talk to you for just a second with your heads bowed and just get an internal perspective going right now on your heart. I have to say this. I have to say it out loud. Some of you here in the room, some of you sitting online, you don't know Jesus and you know it. You haven't repented of your sins and given your heart to the Lord. And you've heard this message over and over again. You've heard the call to repent and be saved. And I have to ask you and I have to point out to you The death is coming to us all, and you don't know if you have tomorrow. And the call to you today one more time is, repent of your sin, be saved. Confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'm not trying to scare you, and yet you should be really scared about the truth that you are vulnerable and you may not have tomorrow. Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Do the priority thing in your own heart, in your own life, and give your heart to Jesus. Some of you now, I wanna talk to those of you who know the Lord. There are some things you need to fix. There are some relational things you need to fix. There are some spiritual things you need to fix that you just keep putting off till tomorrow and putting off till tomorrow and putting off till tomorrow. I just wanna say to you, you may not have tomorrow. Do the thing that you know the Lord is calling upon you to do today. Make the phone call. Repent of the sin. Do whatever it is that he's calling you to do. Make the commitment today. That's the lesson of a pandemic. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us strengthen our resolve to love you, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. If you wanna come down to the front and talk to us, if you want Jesus, we're here to help you, help you in any way we can. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for joining our worship service online today our prayer is that the worship and the teaching has left an impression on your heart and that god will use it to inspire you to love god love people and penetrate our world with the gospel of jesus christ if you made a spiritual decision today or if you need prayer you can let us know by clicking the link to our online connection card and then if you haven't yet taken advantage of it you can download our church app where we have all of our announcements and opportunities and you can also use it to share this week's message with a friend and then you can also check out our website fbclcart.org to stay connected with us that way as well. God bless. Have a great week, and we'll see you here again next week.